Welcome to Redemption Unscripted. On this podcast, you will hear unscripted conversation to help you know Jesus, grow in your relationship with Him, and go advance His kingdom. Thanks for tuning in, and we hope you enjoy this episode. Welcome back to another episode of Redemption Unscripted. I am your host, uh, Austin, one of the pastors here at Redemption. And I'm excited because we have a special guest with us on one of the mics uh, this morning, and that is Pastor Brendan Glass from Span Ministries in Talmadge. How you doing, man? I'm great. I'm glad to be here with you all, and I'm excited to get into this conversation. Yeah. And uh, Brendan's been on our podcast before. We had him uh, earlier on talk about racism, and that was, mm-hmm. man, an excellent conversation. So I'm excited have you back to offer some of your thoughts on the topic we'll get into here in a second. But uh, also joining us as always on the other mic, we have Pastor Rick. How you doing, man? Good, brother. Always good to be doing a podcast with you. Love you, buddy. And Pastor Brendan, you know, I love, I respect you. I love having you as a brother. I love anytime you're here at our church and uh, to have you on the podcast is a pleasure. Uh, Now, we just said SPAN in Talmadge. Uh, SPAN stands for what? Shepherd's Pasture. P-A-S-T-U-R-E, not P-A-S-T-O-R. Uh, Shepherd's Pasture for All Nations Church. Because if it was Shepherd's Pastor yeah, that, for All Nations, that'd be really egotistical. That'd be right? very egotistical. And everybody <laughs> everybody who quick listens thinks that's what I'm saying. Like, right. no pasture. Nice. Okay. And I did, obviously, I knew what that stood yeah. for because I was originally ordained at your church. Yes. Uh, but uh, I wanted to make sure our audience knows yeah. Span. What the? It's Shepherd's mm. Pasture for All Nations. Oh, yeah. Definitely. Well, guys, I am excited to uh, dive into a topic. So we're going to hit a hit a topic this morning that, uh, and again, I keep saying this morning, we record these morning, afternoon, but it's the morning. So I'm a little thrown off, but uh, we're going to dive in to a topic that for a lot of people over the past you know year and a half uh, has been a topic of much heated debate. There's been a lot of opinions. Some people love it. Some people hate it. Most people have no idea what it is. Um, and so we're going to dive into the topic of critical race Theory. Uh, boom, we, boom, boom. Yeah. <laughs> Cue it up. So we think this is an important conversation that we want to have. And I know before we get into some of the questions and things to dive into, uh, Rick, you had a couple of thoughts you wanted just to kind of get out from the forefront. Yeah, I just think it's important when we... Uh, uh, so our nation obviously has been wrestling through racial issues for, well hundreds of years, but it's really come to the forefront, at least the majority culture, the white culture is feeling it more, uh, and I'd say in a healthful way. But then critical race theory, you layer that on top, and uh, I think there can be already, just by saying that we're going to have a podcast on critical race theory, you know, I joked with the bump, 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 there there can be a holy crap, Mm -hmm. don't even go there. And yet, as a pastor, I feel the need to go there. I I think Mm -hmm. there is some things that our culture and our church, our congregation would be wrestling through. Um, and, and what is the good and the bad. And, and so we're going to get into that some. And I just want to encourage all you that are listening, man, let's take a breath. Let's ask the Holy Spirit to guide. Let's ask God to lead us. Um, my fear is that critical race theory has become a label, that we don't know what it means. Mm-hmm. And in not knowing what it means, we're afraid of what we don't know. And mm-hmm. so uh, it becomes a conversation stopper during a time where we need to be talking with each other a lot. And it becomes a thing where if somebody says, that's CRT, and that means it's the boogeyman who's going to steal our white children away in the middle of the night. Oh, no! And it's and so we got to calm down and take a step back and then just have a good conversation. What is it and what's good, what's bad, and what do we do with it, right? Yeah. Pastor, you, you, you One, like where I'm going there? 100% agree. I, I like the way that you're leading us into that. Because my encouragement is that everyone will just listen. You know, let's have a good conversation um, and let's make sure that we look at CRT and not just throw it out, but let's look at CRT through the lens of the gospel. And I know for some people, they say it's not a possibility, Um, but it actually is um, when we come to really understand what CRT means, where it comes from, and what it actually means is doing to our society right now, which I believe is very far from what it should be doing. Like, mm-hmm. it should not be creating all this division that it's creating. It should not be creating the fear that it is creating, um, in my opinion. Um, is it being mishandled and misused? Yes. Is it being abused and is it being used to make white folk feel bad? 
Yes, but that's improper. That's not the original intent for the basis of, of CRT. So I'm glad that you guys invited me to share and talk about this right. today. So we have a baby in the bathwater situation mm-hmm. right out of the gates. Mm-hmm. And, and we, uh, because of our heart for our Lord and for his full creation, for our brothers and sisters, we want to say, what is the baby in here that is great and good and we need to hold on to it? And, and as part of that, yep, we got to say, what is the bathwater that we're going to shed? That's okay, but don't throw the baby out with the bathwater, as the proverb says. Mm. Yeah, right on. Well, I think that sets us up well, guys. So let's uh, let's kind of dive into this. And I think the, the best place to start is uh, what exactly is this so you know critical race theory we're going to say crt throughout the podcast so what exactly is crt how do we define this because i think a lot of us don't have any working definition for exactly what it is so what would you guys or how would you define crt i'm going to defer then to pastor brennan to start but i think you're already touching on a big issue people know the label crt and have fear that goes with that term but if you ask them so what is that yeah. You're going to get a blank stare. A lot of times they don't know. So, Pastor, yeah. uh, we'll go back and forth here some, but what would you say to educate? Like, Yeah. So I think I think that's beautiful to say we're going to go back and forth because, you know, CRT is one of those things where you just kind of put the puzzle pieces together mm-hmm. at the end of the day. Um, it is a lot more complicated than people want to admit. Mm-hmm. Um, I say it all the time. CRT is like black holes. Can I just say black hole and say, yeah, there's this big black spot in the sky, in the space, out in space, and it makes sense? Yes. But does that cover all of the physics behind it and all the unknowns and all the science behind it? No, not at all. And most people have a limited knowledge of black holes when you compare that knowledge to physicists. And the same thing is true when it comes to CRT. CRT is something that was kind of developed, not kind of, but it was definitely developed by attorneys with attorney language. <laughs> so you see the problem already. Nice. Already. I understand that. Yeah. <laughs> and academics. You so know. this is why people don't like CRT because it came from the lawyer. Is, <laughs> is that probably, what you're saying? That's probably part of it. Um, but we have it, lots of lawyers in our congregation. We love you. We love yeah. them all. Um, but the reality is, you know, uh, depending on, and this is what the trouble is. Depending on what your political bend is, depending on even what your social justice bend is that can potentially impact how you perceive CRT. And it can either become a tool or a weapon. And unfortunately, what we have seen is it has become weaponized um, and it has become something that's become we've become very afraid of. So basically, in my studies, in my research, and the stuff I've read, you know, I'm going to make it real simple so we can carry on with the congregation, my understanding of CRT. When you had the laws changing in the 1960s that were going towards anti-segregation, what began to happen was there was a little bit of backlash. There was backlash against uh, fair housing. There's backlash against affirmative action. There's backlash against a lot of programs that were set up to kind of systematically undo um, some of the um, damage done by you know, racist policies, mm-hmm. stereotypical policies, the Jim Crow South. So what you had... And in that, there was, there was systemic racism, there yes. was structural racism. There was some things that we had to come up with stuff to address. Let's try and figure out how to address this okay. stuff. So the best way that we knew how to address it and how we do address everything in this country, legislation. So we're going to legislate away racism. <laughs> Let's just do that. That always works. It always works. <laughs> it works great. Um, so, you know, they're trying to pass laws that are going to try to bring some form of equity, some try to let's destruct these uh, racist systems and and structures uh, that have been detrimental to people of color. Mm -hmm. So what happened was the backlash. And the backlash is, wait a minute, let's just use affirmative action, for example. That's reverse racism. We're not going to fix the problem if we're going to just exchange you know, white people in the front of the line for black people in front of the line. Mm. You know, that's not going to do anything. And you know, at the end of the day, I can understand that argument. Um, but what happened was attorneys and some academics, they said, look, we have to address this. And what they said is we have to get America to understand. We have to get the courts to understand. We have to get the people to understand that what we have is a system 
that is detrimental to people of color because of policies, legislation, and laws in the past. Now, CRT evolved. It evolved into um, different points, different talking points. It, 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 it evolved into how can we overlay CRT into the corporate realm, into the education realm, into the political realm um, for the goal of fixing the problem at the end of the day, fixing the problem. And what happens is when you look real honestly you know, at the problem under a microscope, it looks like and it sounds like America is being called a racist nation that never got over its racism. And that is where I believe we get a lot of the controversy and the mm-hmm. conflict right there. Because your 2021 middle class white person does not want to have the responsibility and the pressure of having to deal with the sins of the forefathers. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of where the conflict comes in. So I say it all the time. So what is, what is the problem with, with critical race theory? Critical race theory um, is, you know, one side is saying, well, it's black folk want white folk to take responsibility for the past. And on the other side, black folks saying white folks don't like CRT because y'all just saying we don't want to take responsibility for our present. Mm-hmm. When it's really not about that, <laughs> it's really not about that. It's saying, uh, talking to someone else who's really well read in CRT and preparation, preparing for this, and it was like, you know, at the core of CRT, the core it really comes down to this: slavery happened. <laughs> at the core, like at the core of CRT, slavery happened, and there are so many things that kind of float out of it. Now, when you give that to lawyers, when you give that to academics. You know, it gets turned into four points. It gets turned into, sure. you know, it gets turned into a whole lot of different stuff. And now it's been politicized and now it's in the media cycle. But, you know, at the end of the day, uh, what CRT initially wants to do, it's let's show how correcting the racist policies and the racist uh, systems and structures of the past, correcting that is not reverse racism. Mm-hmm. That's helpful, brother. Very good. And I, as I think about critical race theory, and I, I had to do some study myself to say, hey, what are what are the tenets, and why why are people so bunged up? Because as you and I have been allies uh, in addressing racial reconciliation issues within the church. Um, I'm definitely a person that would say, yeah, uh, we not only as a nation have a racist history, uh, but yes, there are systemic issues that stretch throughout even post-slavery for sure. And even to the present, there are some things. And and do we need to understand those more and work on those? Yes. So I'm already kind of leaning in a direction that there's probably something good in here. But I also know a lot of my uh, white brothers and sisters have a very negative reaction to CRT. Mm -hmm. And as I probed into some of that, I, I think some of it is because, and this is where you know, you'll get your shock jocks from co- podcasts and radio and all that. <laughs> right. uh, so it comes from uh, Marxism. Yes. Okay. So critical race theory comes out of critical theory, and its basis is in uh, Marxism, which you have the oppressed and the oppressor, and you are necessarily one of those. And white folks, you are necessarily an oppressor by label. Mm-hmm. And so part of the idea is, whoa, time out. If we accept critical race theory, we will become a communist nation and, and it will change America fundamentally. Mm-hmm. So there's a little bit of the straw man that gets set up. And it's so um, I, I know personally, like I'm I'm not a Marxist. I don't think Marxism works. I think, uh, it, you know, if throughout history, you can show that as soon as a country goes towards Marxism, it, good things don't follow. And usually the oppressed become the oppressors. Mm-hmm. It just trades hats, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that, that's one of the problems that I, uh, that I have heard. And, and I would go, yeah, if it's a tool to promote Marxism, that's a, that's a problem. What, do you see any other problems? I, I have others that come to mind. Are there any of them bubbling up? Well, yeah. you know, go ahead, brother. But yeah, I mean, so, and, and that's the thing that, you know, when we look at the civil rights movement, mm-hmm. you know, uh, the period that kind of gave birth to the critical race theory, 
um, one thing that we have to appreciate is all, well, let me back up. At a certain point in time, uh, the oppressed said, must we align ourselves with the ideologies of those we are considering the oppressors? Legit. And that is when they began to explore other political ideologies. Mm -hmm. And in that exploration, um, the idea was, you know what, maybe we can look at some of these principles from everything from Buddhism to Islam to Marxism. Let's look at these particular um Let's look at these particular uh, ideologies and say, okay, how is there anything in here that can help us in our struggle? Hmm. And, you know, this line of thinking was quickly, quickly, quickly demonized. Hmm. You know, I mean, uh, it was quickly demonized. It was quickly thrown down. And I agree with you. I 100 percent agree um, that any system, social structure system uh, that is not rooted in the word of God is corrupt. You know, it is very corrupt. And the thing with Marxism is Marxism, I believe, is very reactive. Mm -hmm. You know, it's very reactive. It's, you know, let's react, (laughs) you know, in a way that's going to change by any means necessary. And I'm, you know, I'm not with that as well. Um, But yeah, I I 100% agree um, that that is one of the problems. The problem is it's not pure blood American. (laughs) <laughs> like it's just not pure blood American in the sense of how, you know, you know, it, it's kind of birthed out of our policies, birthed out of our ideologies, birthed out of any of that other stuff. And, yeah, that's going to create controversy yeah. whenever we do that, because, you know, we're the greatest nation in the world. We don't need to steal nothing from nobody else. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> or we don't need to borrow any other thing. Um, but, yeah, I, I, I 100 percent agree that, yes, there, there are definitely some ideologies that are borrowed well, uh, and, and contained in there. You said there, brother, is that. It's not birthed out of the Word of God, right? right? And so, one of the objections, and and because I want to be fair, I think there is good stuff in CRT. We're going to get to that here in a sec, but I first need to address. Yeah, I think there's some problems, so so that uh, people can see that we're, we see both. You know, we, we see both sides. And what, one of the problems is that it, it is a worldview uh, that that uh, Marxism is at least, and it bleeds into CRT in the sense that. Um, it's answering some of the meta questions of mm-hmm. the human experience, uh, like who are we? What is the foundational problem in the universe? Uh, what is the solution to that problem? What's our primary moral duty? How should we live? Like all that is being answered, and and unfortunately, it's being answered that uh, our from a Christian worldview, our primary problem is vertical mm-hmm. with God, not horizontal with each other. Now it comes out horizontally. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, we, our primary identity is as an image bearer of God, where CRT would, or Marxism would say your primary identity is you are oppressed or oppressor. Well, that's not it. It's, and our primary problem is sin, not oppression, right? And then, and then uh, the solution is salvation in Christ, not divesting myself of, of power or fighting or whatever. And then our primary source of truth is Scripture, not personal experience. Okay, I can get on board with all that and go, absolutely, yeah. So as a worldview, I think it is very deficient okay. as a worldview. Uh, absolutely. Uh, now, that, what that doesn't do is go so far as to say, therefore, it has nothing to say. Mm-hmm. You, you see, it stops. I mean, there's lots of stuff. Economic theory we could be talking about mm-hmm, right mm-hmm. now, and it's not the Christian worldview, but there's wisdom in this and there's wisdom in that. I mean, two plus two equals four. I mean, that's just math, you know, and there's some good in there. And so, uh, yes, I think as a worldview, uh, Marxism that bleeds into CRT is deficient and defunct, but that doesn't mean there's no baby in that bathwater, right? Very well put. Uh, very, very good word that you put in there, deficient. You know, um, very deficient in being able to fix and cure adequately all the problems of humanity, even all the problems in this particular country. Mm-hmm. Um, but the main thing that CRT is trying to do mm-hmm. is say, can we look at our history differently? That's pretty much the main thing. And a lot of people and that's honestly, I think that's the main point that makes people cringe a little bit. You know, um, because if you go up to most black folk and say, hey, 
Marxism. How? <laughs> like we're it's, we're just locked to like no like no we are not Marxists. You know, at the end of the day, this is why you're seeing a big migration away from the Black Lives Matter movement because of their close association with Marxism to the extent that they had to change their daggone website. Yep. They you know, down, right? Yeah. yeah. So it was like, you know, and people are leaving and they're leaving funding and, you know, and it was just black folk are not like embracing Marxism. What black, black folk are really embracing and what they're really looking for is reconciliation. Hmm. What they're looking for is an end to oppression. What they're looking for is an end to systemic racism, more so than anything else. And CRT, you know, being exposed in the way that it is being exposed is kind of making, it's not doing anything new to black folk, mm -hmm. but it's just basically saying, okay, yeah, right. Like for us, it's like, it's like yeah, right. Yeah, okay, yeah. This is true. Like, these are things that we know are true. Um, we know that there is oppression. We know that there is systemic racism. We know that these particular things, they need to be changed. The problem is, um, and I think, you know, the baby in that bathwater is America, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, in my opinion, like, what's the baby in the bathwater? It's America and the, the American ideal that we're supposed to be trying to achieve. And what CRT is basically saying is, let's look at history like this and make the proper adjustments so that we can have a better tomorrow away from where we are right now. Problem is, it sounds too much like coming loss for the majority culture. Hmm. Potential loss for majority culture. Potential shifts and changes for majority culture. And... Once the media pundits get a part of that, get a hold of that, once the politicians get a part of that, okay, now it's a new rallying cry, which is what it's become. Yeah. And I think that's the stuff where we get. So one of the ways CRT often comes up in our communities today is in a fight over our schools. Right. Mm -hmm. So will we teach CRT in the schools? And that's where a lot of school board meetings right now are getting very dicey, very, very dicey. And so what I hear you saying Pastor Brennan, is that it, black people aren't looking to make us Marxist. That, that's, not the, that's not the goal. That's not the drive. That's not what's behind. But it's, hey, is there a history uh, that is not being taught? And I think the answer is yes. And so can we, can we teach our history more fully, more accurately? Yeah. Okay. Is that a problem? Yeah, it's a problem. Should we correct that? Sure. Let's work on that. Hmm. Are there some systemic problems in our culture today? I think the answer is yes. Can we, can we talk about that and teach that and work on that? Well, yeah. So, so if we take the label CRT and just set that aside and answer those questions, and then I, I think we're rolling it downhill in the right direction, yes. Now, granted, we're going to have some, some uh, white nationalists, mm -hmm. some Christian nationalists uh, that would say, no, ain't no problem. You know, and, and so, no, we shouldn't be talking about, okay, but I think for most Americans, if you take the label of CRT and set it aside and just say, hey, are there some problems and can we talk about it and even educate our kids, that's a yes. Mm -hmm. and, and then we're heading in a good direction, right? Yeah. That's all we've, I mean, that's all we've been doing mm -hmm. with crossover. That's all we've been doing as being allies in racial re reconciliation. That's now, why. let me pause you there. You said crossover. What is that? Oh, yeah, crossover is our ministry. That where our churches come together, uh, your predominantly white church, my predominantly black church, and we come together in fellowship and learn how to do better for our children when it comes to the issues of racial uh, inequities and racial problems and racial issues in our country. Now, and brother, I don't want to derail you too much because you no, use crossover, not. and I, I want to make sure that our audience knows what you're talking about there. But one of the things I love that you said right there is do better for our congregations. And this is mm -hmm. the issue. I, I think as we address these issues— it doesn't just help black people. Mm. I think it helps our country. Mm -hmm. It definitely helps a minority in our country. And it's just not, but it's people of color in general, not just black folks, right? But it, it, those who have been oppressed, it definitely helps them. Yeah. But <laughs> Lord have mercy. If I'm an oppressor, that's not a good posture to have before God. That's not a good posture to have for our nation. Like our nation will incur the judgment and wrath of God 
if we don't repent of that and address that. And so I think one of the best things we can do for our predominantly white country is talk about these things addressing. Will black folks be helped? Yes, I think white folks will be helped. Does it mean we might end up giving up some power and maybe some influence and some wealth? Yep. But if we put in, and this is a Christian podcast, deal with it. Like <laughs> if, if, uh, if, we, if that's where our hope is, that we need worldly wealth and worldly power, Ooh, come on. then I might need to fight CRT mm. to keep my white power. You know, but if it's I believe in God and I trust in Him and righteousness is of a different standard, it's His, and then then I got to go. Mm, okay, so if we have uh, oppressed people in the past and those systems and structures trickle into the future, such that they're still affected by them today, and stuff is still happening today, and I don't care to address that, that does not put me and my white brothers and sisters in a good standing before God. Mm. It's powerful. Amen. Powerful. Yeah, one thing that is um, one thing that is missing in the CRT conversation, which is what we do when we have our events, is the practical understanding of the problem. Right. You know what I'm saying? Because as long as we see CRT, then guess mm-hmm. what? That becomes a new scapegoat. That becomes a new problem. Yep. And we're not talking about the practical problem. Uh, forgive me, my statistics. I need to start bringing my laptop with me like you guys. <laughs> Sorry, <man>. But <laughs> I think it's less than 10%. Less than 10% of high school students, when asked, when surveyed, uh, less than 10% said that the cause of the Civil War was slavery. <laughs> less than 10% say the cause of Civil War was slavery. States' rights, man. Exactly. States rights and all kinds of other stuff, you know, that they have that they have superimposed over that time of history. And that wasn't by accident. It was intentional. It was very intentional. I can't remember. It was the it wasn't the Daughters of the Revolution. It was some other group. It was a group of uh, women, Southern women, where they went around raising money for support. And part of what they wanted to do was make sure that the Confederacy would not go down as a demonized part of our country's history. So they were intentional in making sure textbooks were written a certain way. And these are the individuals that made sure monuments were put up of all the generals Mm -hmm. and soldiers. Mm -hmm. Like, so there was an intentional move to make sure that the history of the Civil War was told through the lens of the Confederacy. Right. And brother, can I tease something out here? Yes, please. Um, so you uh, you mentioned all the monuments and statues, and that becomes a focal point in the news these days, mm-hmm. pull these things down. Um, you're more knowledgeable on these things than I, but most of those statues of uh, Southern Army generals and all that stuff, when were those put up? Oh, psh. Uh, Jim from like uh, reconstruct well what should have been reconstruction through Jim Crow South era. So we're talking like like in the 1900s, right? Yeah, like the 50s, oh, yeah. 60s, oh, yeah. somewhere is yeah. my understanding. Yeah. So because we have this image that those were put up way back during the <laughs> and they weren't. No. This was a response to yeah. some of the civil rights are starting to crop up. So black folks are starting to get free of Jim Crow. Let's put up these statues. And a lot of people don't understand, like they were put up. To say these are our heroes. Yep. And most people don't get that. And that's so when you inject that in, you go, oh, okay, now I understand why some black folks might want those statues taken exactly. down. Exactly. But it comes from a, like a lack of knowledge. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And that's the point. Like, that's the whole point. Like, just there was, an, like I was saying, there is this intentional cover up yep. of what the Civil War was really about. So now here we are. And what's the long term effect of that? We are in 2021, and only 10%, less than 10% of high school students identify slavery as a cause of civil war. What's the purpose of that? Why cover that up? <laughs> like, why not tell that story? Why not tell that history? Well, we can get into a whole debate and conversation about that. But this is a, a practical example of the type of stuff that CRT wants to address. Now, that's a very surface-level one. I, I get that. I understand that. But on a practical level, like, this is the stuff that is at stake here. You know what I mean? What is the real narrative? Right. What's the real narrative versus what's the narrative that we 
just want to believe about our country. Now, there's one other problem that I'd love to tease out before we maybe transition some to some of the good stuff we say. And we're already hitting on some of the good stuff. It's impossible to do them totally separate, right? right? But one of, the, one of the things I don't like about the language, when you read CRT, they have some core tenets and stuff like that, is it says that whiteness is a problem. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't think being white is a problem. I think man is depraved. And we've mm-hmm. talked about this. Mm-hmm. Uh, being a human being is a problem, <laughs> and we are all depraved. Now, what happens in, it, throughout history is when any group or any class or any individual gets power, mm-hmm. that power then amplifies or augments their depravity. So it, it happens that uh, Europeans got technology and some power and whatever. We came in the new world. Uh, it wasn't the new world. It had already existed. There it is already, right? Mm-hmm. But we came into uh, this continent, and we had power, and so we used our power to oppress. But that is not a uniquely white problem. That is a problem around the globe and throughout history for all humanity when we get it. Now, it so happens in America today, the majority culture that has a lot of the power is white. And so it gets lived out in whiteness. But CRT would make us think to be white is to be particularly defunct in and of ourselves. Mm -hmm. And I think it is actually uh, our whiteness has given humanity in this sector opportunity to express our depravity. What do you think about that? Yeah, I'm with you um, pretty much on all of that. Um, Yeah, the idea that whiteness is wrong, that's one of those inflammatory type of Mm. comments, statements, attitudes. um, That's counterproductive. Um, But I understand it. And before y'all log off. No. (laughs) Hey, you're here for a reason, brother. Share with us. I understand it. So it's not so much whiteness the individualist, whiteness the idea. All right. It's whiteness the construct, mm-hmm. you know. It's okay. whiteness the, you know. It's whiteness the lie that goes back to manifest destiny. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's whiteness the idea that we are supreme. It's that idea which is a problem, and we are goofy and fooling ourselves if we act like that's still not an issue for some white folk. Amen. <laughs> Agree 110. You know, um, but yeah, it can be very inflammatory and can be counterproductive when we just kind of make that general statement, not really given a deep understanding of what that means when we just say, yeah, whiteness is the problem, blah, 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 because that was what weaponizes uneducated people on the other side who will sit up here and, and you know, just in their sin, in their own personal mess, in their own story, now they feel as though they have the ammunition to resurrect the idea of white devils. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because this whole theory over here, so that's another what the part of the bad side is how it's being weaponized against white folk. When at the end of the day, it's really supposed to be, hey, this is what needs to happen to empower black and brown folk. Mm-hmm. Not to weaponize against white folk, um, and and that's always been the struggle in our country. Uh, the struggle in our country is people of color being empowered has always been perceived as a threat. Mm-hmm. <laughs> always being perceived as a threat, and I believe this is one of the reasons. Another one of the reasons why CRT is having so much, creating so much controversy. Yeah, yeah, and that. It, that whole whiteness concept, like, I, I agree, like, it, it has become in our culture, um, the lighter your skin, and whiteness is more than just skin color, right? right? Uh, and that has become the ideal, which that alone then becomes oppressive for people of color. Yeah. Right? I get that. I just wish that language in CRT was more oppressed and oppressor. And then when I realized that for 400 years now in America, white folks have been the oppressor. So, okay, that applies to us. Uh, But if I say it's because you're white, then I feel like I'm already off track because the whole goal is to say we're all human. Yeah. We're all brothers and sisters. We're all created in the image of God. We're equal image bearers. We got to treat each other equally. We got to like love and embrace and all that, right? And so if I say, oh no, sorry, you white folks, you are particularly, uniquely, and unreversibly defunct. You <laughs> are horrible because you're white. 
well, crap, that just undid what we're trying to work on. You know, it just, mm -hmm. again, that's the problem with Marxism. It just, now the oppressed uh, became the oppressors mm -hmm. and we just mm -hmm. swapped hats, you know? And so I don't want to go that route. Now, so it, even if we shift it to oppress oppressor, then I got to realize, okay, but time out. In America, the last 400 years, that's been white folks. And we got to own that. And so, yeah, that's where it gets difficult. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. Well, I think you guys have, yeah, it's, yeah, I think you've already teased it into it a little bit, but let's just kind of keep pushing in this direction of what, uh, I mean, we've pointed out some of the, maybe the things in CRT we're, we're not fans of, there's some issues. Uh, we've already mentioned some good things, but let's just kind of keep going with that. What are some, you know, what would you guys say, like what are some of the other benefits, some of the good things from CRT that our listeners, you know, should say, hey, maybe there's some stuff here to, to entertain and to apply. What, what would some of those things be added on to maybe some of the other things you've already said? So, uh, brother, how about I do this? We didn't talk about this ahead of time. Tell me if you're like, I have the, some of the tenants, the core tenants yeah, of CRT pulled up. Mm -hmm. How about we just go through them? Yeah, let's do it. All right. So one of the first ones is that race is socially constructed, not biologically natural. That's one of the first tenants of CRT to which I say, amen. What do you say? I say double amen. Double amen. So, so, okay, right away our audience has to go, wait a minute. So what we're saying is that um, we're all made in God's image. There is just one humanity created under God, and some of us have more melanin in our skin than others, right? Mm -hmm. I love your shirts, your, your wife's shirt where it says lightly melanated, hella yeah. black. That, that, is, that is just awesome, brother. But anyway, so it's just we have different amounts of pigment in our skin. Exactly. But, but so race is it something we've constructed over time to put people in groups and subjugate and all that stuff. But it is not natural biologically. And I think to that, we have to say amen. But wait, time out. You got and all got to realize you just said amen to one of the tenants of CRT. So we've already proven... <laughs> There is some baby in there, and we can't yeah. throw it all out. Yeah, yeah. And the complication comes when we go and we dig into that. Mm -hmm. Because when you dig into that, then it begins to reveal the ugliness. And that's when people want to back off a little bit. Right. Because the ugliness is, you know, the main motivation for racial identity it's profit, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, profit. Like we, ha and the main uh, reason for this racial disparities that we have right now is degrading a population to subhuman, which is something that the church is complicit in. Right. You know, sadly, that's sadly, well, very true. We um, got we got to own it. We got to own it. <laughs> yeah, and and that's when it gets ugly. So that's how you know people like you know that's that's the that's the you know that's the tenant. That's the the point. But when you gotta when you open it up, that's when it gets a little murky. So it's like yeah, we can all agree that yeah, we're all people. When we start talking about, well, yeah, let's talk about how the church is complicit for it. Well, why? <laughs> why well, would we talk about that? <laughs> you know in. You mentioned there, there are economics involved, right? Yes. So you used earlier that uh, in, in, there were air quotes going on there, that, but uh, America is the greatest nation in the world, okay? Mm -hmm. So we are certainly dominant, economically dominant. We've got to admit it. We are crushing it economically. So here's a question. Would we be economically dominant in the world if it weren't for what we did with the transatlantic slave trade? No. Not even close. Not even close. Nope. Not even close. And that's a hard pill to swallow, but that's good medicine. Mm. And we got to swallow that pill because it's just true. Yep. Mm. It's just true. All right. Second tenet is this. Racism in the United States is normal, not aberrational. It is the common, ordinary experience of most people of color. Now, uh, the first part says racism in the United States is normal. I think I can agree to that. But the second part, it's uh, the common, ordinary experience of most people of color, of which I'm not, so I can't answer it. <laughs> you know, I, I don't know. But I hear people uh, of color on both sides. But as I've learned from you, Pastor Brennan, and from your congregation, I've had some very eye-opening learning over the years that um, it is not something that is in the past. It's something that uh, people who look like you experience quite commonly today. Is that true? Yes, it's very common. And it's not so much, you know, it's, it's evolved. It's taken on a different form. Um, 
you know, one of the things that, you know, you have to be close to the black experience or the minority experience to really understand is the psychological impact of racism. You know, uh, one of the Bishop Johnson, he uh, once was giving us talk on, you know, what is white privilege? Mm -hmm. And he says, white privilege is waking up in the morning, going through your day, not having to worry about the fact that you're white. And I'm like, yee, that's powerful. Mm -hmm. um, because, you know, that is something that we have to be concerned about as minorities in this country. Even if it's not necessary, even if, you know, I go, I'm a black person, I go to Redemption Chapel and I'm a little bit paranoid about being a black person in this predominantly white church, mm -hmm. you know. And now, obviously, this is probably one of the, <laughs> last places you need to worry about that because you're working very hard to make sure that your church is friendly to minorities. But the fact that I even think that. Hmm. And, okay, so here's what's ironic about that. You're right. Uh -huh. This is a church where you shouldn't have to worry about that. And yet I just got an email last week from some folks, some black folks who've been coming here and are feeling that. Yeah. See? And... You are <laughs> feel they get stares, they get yeah. looks. They yeah. now, well, it's just they feel that way. Well, maybe it is, maybe it's they're really getting stares, but either way, that's their experience. And I, my white congregants, never think about that on Sunday morning, exactly. Exactly. So, yeah, that is what the second tenet basically speaks to. That racism, yeah, and, and so does it happen as experience? And you use the term white privilege in there, and I know that becomes a trigger word or term for people in the CRT debate. And um, I don't think we're saying that, like, uh, I don't know, I don't, what's the downside to white privilege? That that you didn't work hard and you didn't earn anything. And I, uh, no, but but I got to realize, like, America wouldn't be where it was if we didn't do slavery. Right. And I have inherited wealth from that and i don't have to worry about my whiteness being a problem like i, I know uh shana one of our staff members she's a person of color uh intentionally in naming her sons decided not to name her sons with african sounding names for her cultural heritage but chose more white sounding names so they could be employed someday mm -hmm. now i as a white person never even thought in naming my children i never even had to think about their future employment right that's what white privilege is. Yeah. And I got to admit that exists. It does exist. And I'm so glad that you are willing to say that because so many people are, and especially in the body of Christ, so many people will, do not want to admit that white privilege is real because, once again, it has become one of those inflammatory words. Sure. When it's really just a statement of fact, mm -hmm. you know, the analogy I've given before is, you know, if you have a person who has been going to Cedar Point their entire lives— you know, they know how to navigate that park. You know, if I go to that park every year for 17 years of my life, you know, I'm going to know where to go first. I'm going to know where to mm -hmm. eat, what rides going to take the longest, what rides going to... I'm, I'm going, by the time I go there, year 18, I have this park mastered. But if I'm an individual where my family, this is the first time being able to afford it for the first time, and this is my first time going here at 13, it's going to be a different experience. It's going to be a way different experience. I'm going to get lost. I'm going to spend time looking on the wrong rides. I'm going to go to bad rides. I'm still going to have a, a good time, but I'm not going to have as good as a time as a person who knows how to navigate the park well. So that says that the person who's been a lifer at Cedar Point has privilege sure. <laughs> or is privileged or can navigate it a little bit better than the person who just went there for the first time. <laughs> doesn't mean that person's bad. Because he's going to the park for his whole life. Right. Doesn't mean he's evil. But it does mean, okay, if we want to come up with a fast pass for new members <laughs> or for first time people at the park, you know, don't hate them. Right. <laughs> this at the park wants to make sure that this person has as much fun as you have at the park since they're paying the same money. And to, to be more explicit with your analogy, if we start handing out fast passes for people who are first timers, those are mostly going to go to people of color. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And people are going to see that and have a problem. <laughs> yeah. 
Well, that's that's really helpful, brother. Uh, shall I hit the third tenant? Let's go. This one gets dicey. Ready? It's it's the convergence. Yeah. So the the <laughs> see, there's my brother groaning all, over there already. All right. So uh, convergence basically teaches, and I'm going to paraphrase this one because it's long. That the only time that the majority culture does anything good that looks good racially in the racial context, they only do it to serve their own interests. And uh, now I have mixed reaction to that. On one hand, I want to say I think there's some truth to it, and then I think there's some error in this one. Do you want to start out or you want me to go? No, I want you to go. Okay. So uh, I, I would – the the problem I see with it is, one, it's self-defeating because CRT is teaching in the area of race. And if – Anything we teach in the area of race is necessarily suspect because it's just to get ahead. That means CRT is necessarily suspect. So it, that, that point kills CRT. Mm-hmm. So it's self-defeating. That's a problem. Uh, a second problem I have it is that it demonizes whiteness again. Like mm-hmm. So it, it means you can never repent. You can never grow. You can never change. You can never help. You can never be anti-racist. And you can never be an ally. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I think that's wrong. I don't like that. Now, on the other hand, can I acknowledge throughout our history, there are things that the majority culture has done at times that uh, was in some senses virtue signaling uh, and made us look good, but really just advance our own interests once again. Oh, absolutely. Again, depravity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think that did happen at times. So I see a, a mixed bag in this one. What do you think? brother? Yeah, I, I, same thing. Mixed bag. But once again, you know, this is one of those times where I think to understand the point and this is for both sides. It has to be contextualized. Mm-hmm. You know, it has to be contextualized. So what does that look like? Majority culture looking out for its own interests. What does it look like? What, how has that manifested itself historically? How has that, uh, you know, shown itself to be detrimental uh, to people of color? And then you begin to say, okay, eh, all right, all right, all right, all right, all right. I see now because these are the things that we're trying to prevent and work against. So we have to think about all of the policies that made it difficult for slaves to be able to purchase their own freedom, have their own freedom, even gain their own freedom. Mm-hmm. And when we got up to the raid of uh, John Brown and Nat Turner, um, they pretty much took away all of the slaves' ability to be able to get their own freedom or to emancipate themselves or even to get freedom from their slaves who may have written them off to be free in their will, uh, they made it difficult for that up until up until you know, the Emancipation Proclamation. What's the purpose of that? It, is inv- it was the advantage to the white folk, to the white slave owners. Mm, so these are laws <laughs> and policies that are made to advantage the white folk. So it's these type of policies um, that became commonplace. You know, ever since the first slaves were brought in, these type of policies and the whole purpose of the policies were to make sure that we stay ahead. You know, the three-fifths compromise. You know, everything. You know, all these particular things. Now, um, I believe that there does need, there needs to be grace you know, in that portion. That's why I said, oh, man. Because it's kind of, it can be graceless. And I've listened to people speak on this particular point right there, just alone. And it's just like, you know, white people, ah, historically, ah, they're, they're all the same. They, they, they just want to oppress everybody. And, when, and that's not true. You know, it's, it's really not true. But historically, there has been a pattern. Sure. And that pattern is something that has not been adequately dealt with. Mm-hmm. And I will say that. Well, and I think this is the point then, correct me if I'm wrong, but this Mm -hmm. is where black folk get jaded. Because over and over and over throughout history, we've done one thing after another to push you down again, push you down again, push you down again. And so you hit a point where you say, those people just push us down. That's it. Yeah. And I think that's what Convergence is saying. And and on the one hand, I, I want to say, okay, you, you got to give us a chance. But I think on the other side, you might be saying 400 years was a chance. <laughs> right? Like, and so I got to, there's part of me that has to be empathetic and say, if I, if I were a black person, I think I might feel that way. That's powerful. And so I got to listen. I got to be empathetic. I got to be understanding and, and say, okay, that wasn't my experience. If it was, I mean, I'd that's be jaded. And that's a Christ like attitude. In my opinion, you know, Jesus Christ, you know, we can never say to Jesus Christ, you don't know what it's like. 
<laughs> yeah, right, right. <laughs> we Legit. can't say that to him, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and I know it's impossible for a white person to become a black person. It's impossible for you to change your history. You didn't change all this other stuff. But, you know, the empathy aspect, the empathy component um, is a game changer. Right. You know, and, you know, that's one of the things that st- struck me so fast with you and m- many members of your church. You know, just the empathy more mm-hmm. so than anything else, real, genuine empathy. And, you know, when I sit up and I come here and I talk or we do our discussions and I answer questions and I'm making people aware of stuff that they didn't ever hear of. Like last time I was here, someone never heard of it. Like, who is Jim Crow? <laughs> is Mr. Crow here tonight? Can I meet him? No, that's not a thing. <laughs> they did not know who Jim Crow was. Right. They didn't know what it was. And just explain it. They were heartbroken. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, see, that's that's this is what it's supposed to be. This is how this that's how Christ feels mm-hmm. about it, and that's how Christ would uh, would respond. And you know, yeah, we do have an advantage being you know spirit filled, spirit led people, so we can't expect the world to all respond like that. Um, yeah, but the reality is, this is one of those issues. This is one of those areas where it's been weaponized against white folk. Um, this is where CAT has been weaponized, and it's counterproductive. Yeah, it's very counterproductive because. Last thing that we want in this nation is any form of race war, intellectual race war, uh, physical race war, and that's the type of stuff that can be turned into um, just straight divisive speech, rhetoric, all that other stuff. Legit. All right. Another point is implicit bias. They call it differential racialization or the attribution to a minority group of varying sets of negative stereotypes. And implicit bias. I agree. I mean, that's, that's there. I I think I grew up with it. Uh, We would, uh, you know, we were not, uh, we didn't say racist back then. What what did we say? Um, Prejudice. Prejudice. Thank you, brother. Yeah, we were prejudiced, folks. (laughs) We wouldn't use the N word. You know, we're good, we're good white people. And yet, uh, there was the understanding that the black man is violent, he's lazy, uh, he's overly sexualized, he doesn't do that, like, and on and on goes. Well, so there was certainly, uh, stereotypes that were passed on and embraced. Uh, and even once I, uh, I, and I hate it to this day, I realize I've repented and I'm growing and I'm learning, I'm embracing, and I know it's still there in a knee-jerk reaction when I'm not careful. I hate saying that in front of you, brother. But, but I know it's still there at times. And so I think, yeah, I got to agree with that point. Don't hate it because everybody has implicit bias. Legit. <laughs> like everybody does. You best believe it. my mom, I used to be so embarrassed driving through the inner city growing up. My mama, she would hit the button. Like she see somebody looking crazy, she would hit the button. Um, now, granted, I know part of that is safety, um, but, you know, it kind of goes into the narrative that our country has been sold going all the way back to when the first slaves came here that the African-American male is a threat. Mm-hmm. And that is something, that is a narrative that's never really been changed. Um, so no, I mean, but everybody, and that's across the board. You know, that's across the board. I remember <laughs> I remember we did a, a, a talk in Akron, uh, me and one of my friends, pastor friends, and, um, you know, it was like, let's have a community discussion with the police. You know, so it was when a lot of stuff was happening and, mm-hmm. you know, a police officer just shot somebody. And let's have a community time with the police. And it was, okay, cool, we're going to do, like, we're going to do mock uh, uh, what's it called? React, shoot, shoot react. don't shoot. Yeah, shoot, don't shoot. Mm-hmm. We're gonna react. So everybody is like, all right, cool. We know how to handle this and all this other stuff. So one girl gets up there, and you know she's playing the cop, and we're supposed to be dealing with uh, an unruly person, seem like a mental illness. She shot him in record time. I mean, it was just like, and she was an African American sister. Like she was just like he just. He just like turned towards her too, like blah blah blah. I mean, she was. <laughs> it's, it's everybody has implicit bias, yeah. um, for whatever reason. What needs to be done is we need to, you know, we need to kind of peel away at the layers as to why African American males are perceived as a threat. Yeah, and and so what we're sorting through here is some of the core tenets of CRT and saying, okay, there's some good in here. Yeah, like and so if I am in a position where somebody says, well, that's CRT, then I hear. 
oh, there might be some bad, but there might be some good in there, the stuff that we got to understand and, and yeah. embrace. And, and there's other things I won't draw it out. Um, intersectionality or uh, anti-essentialism is in there. Um, maybe just for time, we'll skip that. But uh, the Voice of Color thesis is that, that um, uh, people of color are uniquely qualified to say what their experience has been like. Duh. <laughs> like, like, how can I, like, how can I say, you know, I'm going to sit on, in this room on the mic and say I am as authoritative on what it's like to be a black man in America as Pastor Brennan is. That's ridiculous. Like, of course. I, so I think as white folks, yeah, we should take a posture of listening and, and understand. So I think that, that's, that's good. Like, uh, these are good things in CRT. Yeah. I, I 100% agree. Um, but like I said, once again, it's the fear. Mm-hmm. What's it going to lead to? What's it going to cost me? And I say it, and you know, uh, you know, for you, Rick, and your church, um, you've done it more than most people in majority culture. And what I think you've done more is count the cost. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you've counted the costs, you know. I mean, and most people, when they know we're going into you know, Black History Month, or we're about to do a, you're about to do a program with SPAN, you know, you have to mentally count the cost. Okay, I'm going to be uncomfortable. This might be difficult. This might be challenging. Um, and But not everybody does that. All people see is, all right, I want to engage in a conversation about CRT, or I want to engage in a conversation about racial reconciliation. Okay, I'm willing to do these particular things, not count the cost that, all right, you might hear some things you're not going to like. Mm-hmm. And that's what usually happens. People go in there unprepared and then they walk away with an attitude because you're messing with my normal. <laughs> you're messing with my OK. You're messing with the fact, you know, I, you know, I, I know black people. I, got, I work with black people and everything is fine. Now you add a whole nother dynamic to it that's making me feel something I don't like. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's one of the difficulties there, man. So, like I said, you 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 should write a book one day on how you do this, Rick. I'm serious about that. Well, I appreciate that, brother, and I, I think I might have a book in me, but I, if I do, I want to co-author it. All right. Okay. Well, I'll find one for you. <laughs> oh, shut it. <laughs> you know exactly what I'm saying. Yeah. Well, guys, man, there, this has been a great conversation. I know just even listening on the mic as a host, it's been uh, I've learned a ton from you guys. You just kicked this around. Uh, so as we kind of get close to wrapping up, I mean, any – any final thoughts uh, you guys want to just share before we sign off on this episode? The only thing I'll kick in is, listen, let's be both and people, not either or people. Mm-hmm. And there's so much nuance in all these things. And, and nuance, this will probably be one of our longer podcasts because nuance takes time. It doesn't fit in a tweet. It doesn't fit in a Facebook post. It takes time. And so it's very easy to say, am I pro CRT or anti? Either or, either or. And the reality is there's some bad stuff in there, but there's a lot of good stuff. And it's both and. And I want to be a both and person that can use the wisdom of the Holy Spirit to see through that stuff and and actually help and heal. So i got to say, am I a person that is helping and healing, or am I a person that's adding to the divide? And Mm. I know which kind of person I want to be. Wow. That's good. Pastor, any yeah, other thoughts from you? Uh, definitely. And once again, I usually use this time to pretty much just kind of sing the praises of Pastor Rick and Redemption Chapel, oh, um, simply because uh, this is the only way that change is really going to happen. Um, when people who are of the majority culture say, you know what, let me in my position, in my strengths, in my influence, let me go ahead and get my hands dirty. It's very important. Um, Rick, I'm hopefully you won't mind me telling you this, but I want everyone listening to the broadcast who's a member of this church, and even if you're not a member of this church, I want you to hear this story, this email I got once. Um, I already told Rick about this. Mm-hmm. Um, it was not even email. It was just me and my friends on a text thread. And, um, you, you know, Pastor Rick, you came up, and one of my members of my church, who's actually a long, almost a lifetime friend, lifelong friend, uh, he was like, yeah, I thank God for Pastor Rick. And the reason I thank God for Pastor Rick is because I was almost done with white people. <laughs> he was like during the Trump administration and just seeing how things were going crazy in this country and all the racial divide. He was like, I was almost done with white people. I was just done with them. And he was like, if it was not for Pastor Rick. And what you represented was you represented that there are people who are in the majority culture 
who understand there's a problem, who are not going to ignore the fact that, you know, systemic racism still has its consequences today. And we all got to do a better job, especially if we call ourselves Christians, because that's actually what he said. He said white Christians. Mm-hmm. I was about done with white Christians How about that? <laughs> over that. So I want you all to be encouraged um, to know that your African-American brothers or sisters appreciate you being willing to have these conversations Mm -hmm. and everyone listening if you truly want to just learn what is one one amazing thing that you can do being a part of redemption chapel whatever church you're part of be an ally Mm -hmm. be an ally in this particular thing and you will see yourself getting those text messages messages and emails where people are showing you how much they appreciate it because it's not normal it's not it's not uh, it's not always popular, you know, to be an ally in this. Thank you, brother. I, I'm grateful for the privilege of being an ally, and I, I don't think I would have gotten where where I am in that without God using you in my life. And so that's been a partnership, and I'm grateful to our, our Lord for what he's done between us. So love you, brother. Grateful for you. Amen. Lee, too, sir. Well, guys, thanks for joining us. Particularly, uh, thanks, Brent, Pastor Brennan, for being a, a guest once again. We'll we'll get you back on this Anytime. podcast for something. Don't worry. We, <laughs> we love your voice. We love your friendship. So thanks for joining us today, brother. And thank you for listening uh, to this episode of Redemption Unscripted. I uh, hope you've learned some stuff. Hope you can walk out of here, uh, yeah, just knowing how to better respond to this topic of CRT. And we hope to have you back on our next episode uh, next month. Thanks for listening, and if you enjoyed this episode, please share it with others. To catch the latest episode, be sure to subscribe and follow us. For more resources like this, visit our website at www.redemptionchapel.com. We hope you join us next time on Redemption Unscripted.